I'm Scott Lucas, and this is World Unfiltered. My uh, native land of America is an unusual place right now. On the one hand, we have a new administration under a president named Joe Biden with very ambitious programs from containing the coronavirus pandemic to dealing with the economic damage, programs for climate change, programs for healthcare, programs for immigration, and a promise to try to rebuild America's image in the world. On the other hand, uh, this America is still less than a month away from the attack on the Capitol by its own citizens. And indeed, we have witnessed only in the last few days that Republicans have protected one of their own legislators, a legislator who not only supported a conspiracy theory, QAnon, but threatened to kill some of her now colleagues or to support their execution. Her name, Marjorie Taylor Greene. We have on the one hand, a Biden administration with new officials who have experience that have been from the Obama years, both at home and abroad. And then on the other hand, a guy named Donald Trump is still in Florida, still receiving people like, well, the House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, who paid tribute to him. We have an America which wants to rebuild alliances and will deal now in a more effective way with, let's say, adversaries or competitors. But yet around the world, there are those who still don't know if America is reliable or predictable. Which America? Well, to help me out with this, I've asked Eunice Erdland to come talk to us. Now, Eunice is a man with many talents, but here's a couple. He's in graduate school in law. So if we get into legal difficulties, we're going to go to him. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're going to ask him as a political analyst and a political analyst who's specialist in watch the United States to try to help us out with some pointers. Maybe we can't give you all the answers in the future, but what should we be looking for? Eunice, thank you for coming on and helping us on World Unfiltered. Thank you, Professor Lucas. It is very honor uh, for me to be uh, uh, talking with you, uh, such an informative and uh, distinguished uh, academician. I'm very happy uh, to uh, record this uh, program with you. Well, thanks for that. Uh, I'll always take distinguished. I'm not sure how distinguished I've been, though, in a recent conversation with a, a longtime friend and a colleague of mine, Professor Liam Kennedy. Two weeks ago, we, we did a program for World Unfiltered on Is America Society Broken? And uh, I tried to say that here is an America where people had come out and seen the Capitol attack and how much damage it had done. And they said, this cannot stand. We need to do something about this. We are better than this. And my close friend, uh, Professor Kennedy said, well, no. In, in fact, Joe Biden was wrong when he said, this is not who America is. He said, those attackers in the Capitol, that is who a portion of America is, that they reflect views that other Americans have, whether they're angry or frustrated or believe in conspiracies about enemies. You must realize that this America is one which is still badly damaged, even if the Capitol still stands. So, Eunice, which narrative do you see, an American recovery or America that's still damaged and not sure if it will recover? Um, I think there's one narrative uh, which is, uh, focuses on the capital attack like, uh, and on attacks on the U.S. institutions and 
the Trump's refusal to not accept the legitimate uh, election results, that is actually it was an attack for the democracy. However, my uh, focus narrative was the uh, U.S. institutions' resistance to the a populist president who refuses the election results. For example, like when uh, Trump uh, uh, requested Mike Pence to actually uh, uh, resist and to the election results in the Congress uh, meeting uh, against the Constitution, uh, Mike Pence resisted to Trump and uh, do not uh, make a decision uh, over uh, his uh, political uh, obedience uh, over the uh, US Constitution. He chose the rule of law. Like many Republican governors, many Republican Secretary of State uh, re resisted to Trump and state that these are the legitimate uh, election results and we will not try to overturn the election results. Even in the uh, telephone talk between Georgia, the officials and uh, Trump, uh, that one hour uh, telephone uh, call was really dramatic for the United States. But as a result, all uh, these people, like Republican senators, Republican governors, Republican election officials, secretary of state, like the vice president who uh, just was the, on the same ballot with the president. So all choose the rule of law and the constitutional rules over their political obedience. And then after the capital attack, uh, the Congress uh, meet again and then uh, officially declare that Joe Biden was elected president. So even uh, there's a riot, even there's an attack, these institutions survived and resisted to the a president who refuses to uh, accept the legitimate and lawful election results. So that was a very important narrative. Yes, I uh, uh, understand the people who focuses on the polarization uh, story, on the uh, capital attack story, uh, and Trump's refusal to election results. However, the most important thing for the uh, democratic countries and other foreign nations to focus on is how the U.S. institutions and democracy uh, survive from Donald Trump. That uh, gives us the uh, importance of independent institutions, impartial jurisprudence, and politicians who value law and constitution over their political ties. So that is the narrative that as a uh, lawyer and as a uh, political analyst mainly focuses on the United States politics, is that narrative personally affected me? And I think that that narrative should affect whole democracies and whole foreign nations. But still, I understand that how the United States is polarized and how these institutions are attacked and damaged, but still they are survived. Okay, that gives me a little bit of hope. What, what is your opinion? Well, what I, is your opinion about I, I mean, that? I, I think that's that's a little bit in line in terms of the discussion that I had with Professor Kennedy. But here's here's what still troubles me about even, you know, that position, which is that the American system still stands. And that is, OK, fine. The, the courts still stand and they didn't allow the election to be overturned. And the agencies stood up to Trump, you know, and, and despite his attempt to put his loyalist in the top of it and Republicans at state level stood up, all conceded. But here's my problem, Eunice. Um, there were the handful of senators who still voted not to accept Joe Biden. And we're talking about like Ted Cruz of Texas, Josh Hawley of Hallelujah. Missouri, 
who want to run for president themselves. But this, the one that really worries me is on that day of the attack, when they came back to confirm Joe Biden as president, almost had more than two thirds of the Republicans in the House, the lower chamber, so about 138 of them, still voted to object to Biden. And of course, almost all of those Republicans, in fact, all of those Republicans will be standing for re-election next year. Could it be that we actually have what is not a Republican party in the House, it's a Trumpist party in the House, and that Trumpist party doesn't necessarily accept the system? That's what's worrying me. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Like, even in the impeachment trial, like, in the procedural vote in the Senate, like, mm -hmm. a, a, the only five Republican senators, uh, Lisa Muskovsky, Susan Collins, Rom uh, Romney, uh, Ben Sasse, and uh, Pat Tomlin from Pennsylvania, just five senators vote against for Trump in just a procedural uh, voting. Like, uh, can the Senate uh, see the uh, Trump's, uh, can go on the Trump's impeachment trial or not? Not the, the real vote on impeachment. Like, like that is still uh, shows us like how Trump is effective on his party and like uh, the uh, McCarthy's uh, the congressional Republican leaders visit to the Trump's uh, resort in Mar-a-Lago like they stated together that they will work uh, on uh, the 2022 uh, elections uh, together in order to uh, take the House and Senate back from uh, Democrats like. And still polls show that as we uh, go further from the Capitol riot, the Trump is increasing its popularity among Republican voters. So I think that the Patriot Party uh, speculation and in the Wall Street Journal was uh, like a threat from Trump to the Republicans. He's, I think, um, clearly stated that if you do not protect me, if you do not, uh, if you leave me, I will form my own party and take the voters uh, that voted just like two months ago and I will uh, try to destroy the Republican Party but uh, because of that uh, threat is really a real threat and really Trump uh, still effective in his base the Republicans uh, do not uh, try to uh, vote against or like state uh, harsh uh, statements against uh, Donald Trump so I think that uh, popularity and that power is still live and that can actually uh, make uh, center Republicans uh, less effective in the system and that will actually can uh, damage the democracy and the institutions too. Like Marjorie Greene is a congresswoman, not a regular protester and she's really effective. Today she stated that this party is Trump's party, not, no, nobody else. Like that verse are really uh, effective, I think. So let's, let's work this out just a bit then, because clearly I think what you said that with the House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, going down to pay tribute to Trump, that with the House Republicans trying to protect Marjorie Greene, uh, not even remove her from committees. But let me look at the Senate majority, who was then the Senate Majority Leader. So the top Republican, in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, right? So Mitch McConnell, uh, a couple of weeks ago, said, uh, oh, Donald Trump's lies provoked the Capitol attack, Whoa. which almost said that Mitch McConnell might, in a trial, vote to convict Donald Trump of incitement to insurrection. And 
McConnell's office let it be known to the media. This was because McConnell wanted to remove Trump or push Trump out of the party. Then the very next week, as you mentioned, Mitch McConnell votes along with those 45 of 50 Republicans who say, we don't want a trial at all. Yeah. So which Mitch McConnell are we going to get? A Mitch McConnell who's going to draw a line against the Trumpist and say, this is not tolerable, or the Mitch McConnell who looks at all those voters who might support Trump as candidates and say, well, that's where our political future is. Which Senate leader do we get? Um, they, they, to be find guilty, uh, to, there's need to like at least 17 Republicans to vote against Trump in order to uh, give him a punishment of inability to be a federal a candidate for a federal office, like to prevent his presidential candidacy in uh, 2024. Like there's need to just 17 Republican senators. I know that like five Republican senators have potential to actually act against, like all the senators uh, who uh, declared that they are going to uh, be retired, not going to go on a re-election. In, uh, in the future, but the senators, especially who are going to election in 2022, they are really scared of uh, Donald Trump because if they vote against Donald Trump uh, and if they actually state anything against Donald Trump in their primaries, Donald Trump will uh, perfectly and actively uh, support their contesters. Like uh, that, there are many young, many talented in their own terms candidates who can draw support from Donald Trump and actively beat them in uh, their primaries, like uh, the primary victory of Lorraine Colbert in Colorado, like uh, all these young Trumpist uh, Republicans are seeking elections, like even the uh, Donald Trump uh, seeking uh, a, a senator race in North Carolina, uh, North Carolina, like the Trump family is trying to get involved in politics too, not just uh, Trump's supporter, but his own family is trying to uh, fill in the, these uh, seats too. So I think Mitch McConnell and Republican Party is now uh, in the, at least for now, at least till the uh, recent elections in 2022 are in the hands of Donald Trump because Donald Trump is still popular. And But if in the uh, court, if in the Senate uh, trial, if there are new evidences or new uh, investigation results as uh, in uh, investigation in the Justice Department. Maybe you can further uh, talk about that investigation because I know you have like more uh, information about that investigation in the Justice Department about the overturned election or not. If these new information uh, comes out through the central, maybe Republicans can change their minds. But uh, in New York Times, there are like a, a uh, graphics that count the senator's opinion about the impeachment vote. And uh, according to that uh, graphic, like at least uh, 34 Republican senators clearly stated that they are going to vote uh, for Donald Trump. So I think we're not going to uh, have like 17 Republican senators who vote against Donald Trump. So I think he's not going to. Uh, be found guilty in the Senate trial. But that vote will show that uh, the direction of the Republican Party, they are still, if they are still sidelined with Donald Trump, 
it's very bad news for center Republicans or Republicans who try to distance themselves from the uh, party like Liz Cheney or not. Because uh, even Liz Cheney, who is very uh, popular in Montana, uh, clearly uh, loses uh, her support in the polls uh, after uh, her vote against uh, Donald Trump in the impeachment vote in the Congress. So I think Republican Party is in a really deep identity crisis. But uh, I'm really curious about the further uh, investigation or the testimony results in the Senate trial. That, that will actually uh, clearly show us the, the path of the party. It's true. I mean, I, I think the immediate question is whether the Republicans will actually try to will try to allow testimony and allow uh, video evidence, or whether they'll try to block it, which of course is what they did last year during the first uh, the first impeachment trial. We'll we'll see. Let me let me kind of ask you then, because I think that's a very shrewd reading of the Republican Party that that we're not going to see a unified Republican Party, at least one that unifies behind the establishment, so to speak. So. So if you're the Biden administration and you're facing you know, these Republicans in the Senate and the House, do you reach out to the Republicans or some Republicans and try to say, let's have cooperation, whether it be on the coronavirus measures, whether it be on uh, economic assistance, whether it be on immigration reform, or do you simply say that it's really beyond hope that the Trumpists are too powerful right now? And do you say we have to just work on our own, put these programs out there, and then make the Republicans respond to them, whether they're going to accept them or try to obstruct them? Do you reach out or do you, or do you press on and leave the Republicans behind? I think I will do the same as the current Biden administration because I, I know that they are trying to reach to the Republican senators, especially Republicans who are trying to distinguish themselves from the Trump administration and Trump's legacy and era. So, for example, like in the Senate, there's a new senator coalition, common sense coalition who brings like the center Democrats and center Republicans. Mm -hmm. uh, so they try to work together. Like Biden just met with like 10 Republican senators in the White House about the COVID-19 relief, uh, economic relief uh, legislation. So he's trying to actually reach like at least 60 votes in the Senate because uh, Democrats do not uh, decide, uh, do, do not want to change the filibuster rule. So, uh, about like the important legislations, Biden's trying to reach to this at least 60 votes and uh, he needs like 10 uh, Republican votes. And I know that uh, the Biden administration really values the, especially like the four senators, the Nebraska Senator Ben Sesse, the Utah Senator Mitch Romney, the uh, Maine Senator uh, Susan Collins and Alaska Senator Lisa Muskowski, these four senators really distance themselves from the Trump and in main issues like from the Republican Party even, and they are really open to work with Biden administration on the critical issues. So uh, if they uh, continue that uh, strategy, Biden uh, clearly will, uh, in every his step, will clearly meet with these senators and try to uh, find a uh, compromise uh, with uh, these people because he's really uh, want to be a, a president uh, who can bring different uh, parties together, different people from different opinions and backgrounds together. And uh, if he wants to actually implement really systematic and important legislations on the 
economic uh, inequality on the COVID thing and like other racial inequality, he needs that support in order to avoid filibuster. So I think uh, with that strategy, Biden will take the uh, support and will take the advantage of the clash in the Republican Party. Like if Republicans lose the uh, these central Republicans and are non Republicans against Trump, they will actually act, work more actively with the Biden administration, and that will actually be very uh, create a, a beneficial situation for Biden. So, what is your opinion about that? Well, well, what, what let, you I think that's a great reading. So in terms of this Biden approach, which is the reach out approach, and as you and I speak, we're getting the first test, the $1.9 trillion coronavirus package, the American Rescue Plan has advanced, but only on a 50-50 vote with Kamala Harris as the tiebreaker. So, so far, all the Republicans are still holding out against it. So we ask whether there's going to be a compromise in the next few days. I guess the way to test it is, let me test you on a few issues and say, do you think the Biden administration will be very, let's say, very forthright, even aggressive, or whether they'll be cautious? Uh, immigration reform. Will we see a sweeping immigration reform bill this spring and summer, or will they be cautious on immigration reform because it's too hot an issue to try to reach out to the Republicans? What do you think? I think uh, the immigration reform, uh, the Biden will start actually like talk about that and maybe uh, try to like uh, implement a very small legislation. But I think the most important like the uh, for the uh, giving uh, opening a path for the citizenship for the dreamers like uh, that uh, topics which may be controversial for Republican voters like the extreme Republican voters or the like extreme Trump voters maybe he can actually uh, implement these legislations after the 22 uh, 2022 elections because mm -hmm. I think he aims to uh, not lose the uh, Senate and the, uh, Congress majority in that uh, by-election and he knows that Trump can lose his popularity like in four years but two years is a really uh, uh, still uh, uh, important time for Donald Trump to uh, protect his popularity in his base so maybe like immigration reform can uh, be implemented uh, like two years later however I think like the COVID uh, relief or like the uh, legislations about the racism, like the racial inequality and systematic racism can be uh, more, can be quicker uh, than the immigration reform, I think. Okay, so, so kind of a little bit cautious on immigration while making some steps, like working with the Dreamers, those 800,000 who Trump had threatened with deportation. All right, uh, climate change. U.S. is going to rejoin the Paris Accords because you can do that through executive order. Uh, but do we see an ambitious climate change bill legislation through Congress this year? I think climate change will be like one of the priorities, uh, priorities of the uh, Biden administration. Uh, like the John Kerry's uh, position is very important. I think uh, they will try to implement the uh, systematic legislations, but the legislation who can increase the taxes uh, can come up after the uh, like 22 uh, 2020 elections and like the last two years of Biden uh, because increasing taxes is really like the main issue of the Republican Party. However, 
uh, like uh, climate change uh, is a really like the main one of the main campaign teams of the Biden. So if uh, we see a like a very comprehensive legislation and not like the Green New Deal, but like a more comprehensive and more like can co- uh, cause a support from Republicans, like kind of bipartisan uh, climate change uh, package, uh, that will not surprise me. Okay. Uh, let's try expanded health care. Will there be an expansion of Obamacare this year? I think yes. The, the expansion of Obamacare is very critical. And I think during pandemic, it's really uh, more uh, uh, easy to uh, tell and uh, try to take the support of the other voters and try to stop the debate in the Democratic Party because I know there are some Democratic senators like the Joe Manchin or Kristen Sinema, like the more uh, Democratic senators who is coming from Republican uh, states kind of, are can be uh, critical for uh, these legislations or these acts. So I think that can come up this year because it is more um, easy to uh, tell uh, his base and Americans uh, the importance of the expanding the Obamacare during a pandemic when everyone is actually focused on the health issues and try to protect themselves from the pandemic. However, I think the uh, Supreme Court can be a barrier for this implementation because I know the new judges who appointed by the Trump are critical for the Obamacare. So that can cause a problem for Biden. But I think Supreme Court will cause a problem for every step of Biden because like six, six conservative um, judges, like when we the chief judge can vote alongside the, with the liberal judges, but like five solid uh, conservative judges can cause really um, ba- uh, like bad decisions for Bidens in the terms of Biden and can uh, stop the systematic changes uh, who uh, allegedly... Um, come against the Constitution. So Biden not only has to calculate versus the Republicans in Congress, he's got to calculate what's happening up yeah. in the Supreme Court. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, let me try one more. Uh, proposals on social and racial reform, social and racial justice, as it were. You know, we've had talk about how this is necessary in the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd and the marches, the Black Lives Matter marches. Uh, will we see legislation, for example, in terms of policing or in terms of, say, housing on social and racial lines this year? I think the, the, the role of Kamala Harris and Susan Rice in the Biden administration is mm-hmm. a clear message. Like, uh, even like two weeks ago, Susan Rice, the domestic policy advisor, like she uh, announced a really uh, a pathway for the is systematic racism and how they are going to implement their policies, like uh, not just for the um, African-Americans, but like for Asian-Americans who get really affected from the anti-Asian rhetoric and racist rhetoric of Donald Trump during the uh, corona pandemic. Uh, So I think uh, that racial equality uh, will be uh, implemented, try to tackle with that uh, racism, uh, like in just this year or uh, next year, because Biden is elected uh, with that rhetoric, and many black voters, especially, uh, go to the polls after the uh, George Floyd protest. So Biden is like in even Democratic primary, Biden uh, win the candidacy just because of the like South Carolina victory and after 
how a center voters and how black voters uh, come together and uh, try to make Biden uh, the candidate. So I think that is very important for Biden uh, personally and politically. So uh, that will come up very soon and that will uh, be not like a, a political shock. That will actually have to change some real uh, things. So Biden and his administration first priority is that uh, to how tackle with the systematic racism and how to uh, implement real and uh, important uh, legislation, not just like uh, a political show or like a small legislation, but how to stop police violence, how to reform the police and how to even like the house equality, how to increase the house ownership of the, the non-white people. So that is very important. And I think that uh, Biden's return in his first days are showing that he is uh, really uh, sincere about that too. So I think we are in, in like, uh, like in, in months, we are going to see uh, real uh, and uh, very comprehensive legislation about that. That is prioritizing, but I'm very curious about your opinion. So in, I guess in summary, you're sort of portraying a, a pragmatic Biden administration, not an ideological Biden administration, but a pragmatic administration, but it's not a gradualist administration that they will advance on some topics this year uh, and not sort of you know, hang back because of you know, the challenges in Congress. That makes sense. Let me, we've been talking about Washington so far. I wonder if we could just take it to the, to the state level for a bit, because I've been struck this year that, been struck, I should say, last year that with the pandemic and with arguably the lack of federal direction, there was a lot of attention to say like state leaders and how they were trying to handle the crisis. So you think about Democrats like Andrew Cuomo in New York, Gavin Newsom in California, Gretchen Whitch, uh, Whitmer in Michigan, we had some diehard Trumpist governors like Ron DeSantis in Florida, uh, Christy Nome in South Dakota. And then we had some Republicans that sort of distanced themselves for Trump during the pandemic. Uh, I'm thinking about Doug Ducey in, um, in Arizona, for example. And then because of not just coronavirus, the election dispute, even a Trumpist like Brian Kemp had to sort of, <laughs> well, Trump basically was insulting him. I mean, to what extent, in 2021, do the actions of state leaders make any difference at all to what we've been talking about in this calculus? Do they still have a place there in affecting the politics, or do they sort of recede a bit to the background as we focus on Biden and the Republicans in Congress? I think, in, especially for the Republican governments, uh, their uh, ambition for the candidacy for the uh, Republican in ticket, like in 2024. It just started. So, for example, the governor of Maryland, Harry Logan, uh, clearly uh, after like just three days after the election, goes to CNN mm -hmm. live and he's clearly stated that he thinks Biden uh, win the election. So, I think, uh, and he really criticized Donald Trump as uh, in the past days. However, he increased the tone. Like the, the Georgia governor clearly stated that the elections are legitimate. Like the governor of Arizona clearly stated that he's not going to try to overturn the elections and even he gets criticisms from his local Republican Party, the Arizona Republican Party. But I think that in uh, Georgia, in Arizona, the two governors do not have like uh, political ambitions in maybe like in the federal uh, aspect, but like Maryland governor, Harry Logan, has a political ambition. He just uh, tried to like be a candidate against Donald Trump in the Republican 
primary in 2022 elections. So I think that uh, Republican governments will try to uh, show themselves in uh, these four years in order to increase their support. And uh, that will actually create a uh, place for the, especially the center Republicans who are trying to distance themselves from Donald Trump. Uh, I think that will uh, that is very uh, good uh, opportunity for them because they can actually implement their policies. They can actually um, have more occasions to actually uh, persuade the voters. However, in the democratic uh, side, I think uh, Cuomo is the, like the new star of the Democratic Party. He he he's he's been he, he was really effective uh, politician, but he has like very uh, harsh accusations from the especially left side of the Democratic Party, but his policies and his uh, especially uh, press briefs during the coronavirus make him a national figure. Like he really counted about how to tackle the coronavirus and how to make how to use his uh, communication skills, especially during the pandemic uh, briefings. Uh, so I think uh, Cuomo uh, is a really a potential. Uh, governor who, who uh, that analysts uh, should focus on. I think Whitmer uh, is important too, but I think after the uh, vice presidency uh, process and, and how Biden actually uh, do not want to uh, run with her in the presidential uh, race, uh, I think after that opportunity, she uh, lose uh, a great chance uh, and uh, but Michigan is still important uh, and critical uh, state, and uh, the race in many in the future will actually focus on Michigan too. So she she uh, still has a big role, but I do not think that that will actually uh, create a opportunity uh, for a federal run or a federal office. But however, maybe uh, she can uh, be a candidate for the senator like that. And about Newsom, uh, the California governor, I think. He's not very successful and he's not going to uh, actually have a like, bright political uh, future because even his own party really criticized him about like, the, uh, his uh, ability to tackle with coronavirus. And I think his performance is very bad when we compare with the, especially with the Cuomo. Yes, in the, <clears throat> the last couple of minutes we have, I wonder if we could sort of look both inside and outside America in the sense that uh, we have just had the first major foreign policy statements from Joe Biden himself, where he's talked about a very firm line with Russia, firm line with China. He has expressed the need for international action over the Myanmar coup. Uh, and he has said more generally this idea of restoring alliances and standing up to adversaries. To, to what extent do you think the Biden foreign policy, which includes, I should note, ending support for uh, Saudi and UAE offensive operations in Yemen, a fairly significant step, to what extent is the Biden foreign policy really proceeding by looking at the world situation and how much is it looking over its shoulder at the domestic situation? Which, which way do you think it's going or is it a mix of the two? I think it's a mix of the two because Biden's cabinet is really um, uh, uh, responsible and experienced cabinet. He knows many uh, ministers uh, for a very long time. Like for example, uh, Antonio Blinken is a really uh, close associate of and close friend of uh, Joe Biden. Uh, he's working uh, with Biden since uh, Biden's Senate uh, experience. So I think 
uh, he can focus on both uh, domestic issues and both international issues because he, his cabinet is really comes up uh, uh, people that uh, who Biden uh, knows uh, for a long time and who Biden uh, has a trust uh, on them. So uh, I think uh, every word and every policy of his cabinet members will be the policy and the words of the Biden. Uh, and uh, about policy shift, I think the Saudi Arabia criticism and clear statements against uh, Putin's regime in Russia are really important uh, shift from the Trump administration and that uh, Russian policy and po policy and Saudi Arabia policy was a really uh, controversial policy of the Donald Trump era and he just changed that tone, changed that uh, foreign policy uh, in like in two weeks and three weeks. That was really important and I think that Uh, next foreign policy will be like the uh, try to renegotiate with Iran uh, about a nuclear deal, deal, and that will actually create a very controversial uh, atmosphere in the United States, and that will take uh, harsh criticism from the Republican side. And I think that Trump uh, will be active on that uh, to in his own media outlets, uh, possible or like the going on the TV shows and Fox News, and he's going to really make that. Uh, his own personal issue because Iran is a, a really was a really uh, a domestic issue during the Trump era about the assassination of the Qasem Soleimani like that and Trump really used Iran as a political target in the races uh, like China is uh, a, a same uh, target for Donald Trump too however uh, we see like the uh, similar uh, statements uh, from Antony Blinken uh, about China, like Donald Trump, uh, he understand that they will continue the, uh, most of the policies uh, against China. However, I think Biden's uh, difference will be like he is going to negotiate and uh, go meet with all uh, these uh, countries. However, uh, he is going to uh, continue like uh, harsh policies against China too, but at least they will negotiate like Trump's Here was uh, like uh, he doesn't want to negotiate. He uh, leaves the table, but uh, he used the uh, the harsh uh, tone. However, Biden uh, will be open to negotiations. Biden will be open to talk with all leaders and all countries. And uh, his main motto, like bring Americans back on the table, and that table will be open. Uh, uh, like that will actually show how America. Uh, will uh, state their arguments and how they are going to uh, understand the arguments of other countries. Uh, but uh, in the Trump's era, uh, that table was not active too much for uh, some countries. So maybe Biden's change will be about the process. However, the policies against uh, China or the support for Israel and support for the Abram Accords or maybe the expansion of these accords will continue. And that, uh, as we see uh, from the statements of especially Antony Blinken and his uh, Senate confirmation uh, meeting uh, and how he especially uh, answered the questions of the listening ground. At the very start of our talk, so this is sort of to bring it all the way around, you, uh, you gave this very eloquent statement about how the American system still offered something to the world. But can the world trust Americans to take good care of their system? I think the, the, the system in the United States uh, clearly shows that us uh, the, how uh, check and balance mechanisms are important. And I think uh, the, that survival of that check and balance system 
in the case of Donald Trump, really uh, creates a positive narrative and a positive thing. The Americans uh, survive from that uh, tension uh, with independent institutions and the supremacy of the Constitution. That was really important. So I think that polarization will continue. Canon uh, groups will continue to disinform, uh, the, to produce disinformations, to produce theories that all Democrats and pedophiles are like the uh, secret Muslim people is in the government like that, Obama was a Muslim, that theories will continue. However, I think uh, the most important thing is how uh, politicians uh, can value rule of law over their political uh, ties and political obedience. That story is very important. And I think uh, United States survived from uh, that tension and uh, uh, capital right with this mechanism. So that mechanism is still inspiring. However, if Trump uh, continues to protect his support among their voters, and if Republicans who try to distance themselves from Trump, the marginal greens in the Congress will increase. Because in the primaries, many uh, voters do not vote. So if passionate Trump voters really go to the polls and really support the candidates uh, who Trump uh, has a really uh, strong influence on them, so that will change the Republican Party. And like we will actually have experience like a Tea Party instance in the past. So uh, that will create more young Trumps in the Congress. And that more young uh, Trumps will uh, challenge the system again as Ted Cruz, as Joe Helley, as Marjorie, as Lauren Covert, who told that she's going to um, go to Congress with uh, her weapon. Like, that really scares me about the system survival. However, I think that uh, current narrative, current uh, of the present narrative is the survival of the institutions. However, still, there is a challenge uh, from the Trump side of the party, and that side is not that now, at least for now. He's still strong. I don't think they agree with the people who say that Trump is that. Trump, uh, Republican Party uh, is now uh, free from the Donald Trump. I don't think so, but I'm uh, curious about your opinion about well, that position. Well, I think you've summarized things excellently for this episode. I think, I, I think with what you're saying about the American system, I'll sleep a little bit better tonight. But I also think that because of what you said about Trumpism, I might be sleeping with one eye still open. For now, Eunice, Eunice Erdogan, thank you so much for joining us on World Unfiltered. I look forward to uh, catching up with you later this year when we see if uh, how things are starting to turn out in this America, recovery or no recovery. But meanwhile, let me also thank the great Deep Dive Politics team for keeping us together. Uh, during this broadcast. And let me thank most of all you, dear viewers, for listening to us. If you have feedback, comments, suggestions, please do come by on the Deep Dive Politics Facebook page or dive underscore politics on Twitter. Our podcast of all our World Unfiltered broadcasts are now on Spotify and, of course, the World Unfiltered videos on YouTube. But for now, stay safe. Stay sane, be decent to each other. I'm Scott Lucas, and this has been World Unfiltered. <laughs>